Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today we are talking about negotiating. Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Guys, it is episode 19. Wow. Episode ni- What happened in episode 17? We're legal drinking age. Wait, 19? <laughs> <laughs> Who's that voice? Oh. Have you guys been recording episodes without me? Is is this is this Jeremy? Oh, I'm back. We let you back yeah. on. Thank God. My probationary <laughs> period is over. We almost had a coup. I think I think Courtney's Courtney really liked doing the episode. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. The uh where have you been, man? What's going on? I've been, um, where was I? Uh, first for, one you missed was for the course. First one was one of our um, re-educating, continuing education realtor courses that we take um, for relicensing. My license is up in uh, this December for, for renewal. Um, so I was taking the legal update course, which is uh, different and harder and um, more involved. Um, so all of you realtors that are listening, um, look forward to it and it could be different too next year. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I was. And then I was just, uh, away on a little holiday for the past week, which is nice. So not a lot of real estating yeah. for me. Matt did some of my real estating for me, my bidding. Did a little business and now like it's today we're recording. It's the Wednesday after the first day back at everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wants to know what's going on in the market. Yeah, we're two days in and everybody wants like a full update, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lots yeah. of new listings. <laughs> yeah, we, we we hit 39 on the new West hot sheet yesterday. Oh, I didn't have a look yet. Oh, Which when I checked 39. it, it was, it was 30, I think. When yeah, I so for office. people who don't have context, I mean, a high number usually is 20, 25. Now, maybe even just explain what the, the hot sheet is. Yeah, hot sheet uh, is what we see in our, in our realtor MLS system. And you can set it to whatever parameters you want regionally. But for Jeremy and I, mine just says new West. Yeah. You can create a couple of different ones and it'll tell you what's a new listing, what posted as sold that day, price changes that day. So it's a good way to get a snapshot. So of there what's were 39 on. new listings. Yeah. Four yeah. sales. Yeah. Helpful, helpful on a day to day, kind of see what's coming up and what's, what's selling yeah. through um, rather than waiting a month for uh, a stats report to come out <laughs> or waiting for a newspaper article. We did talk about this though, right? As we're trying to predict September, we said that we get like a big dump of listings the first week yeah, of September. Yeah, this isn't a surprise. This is normal. And anybody who in the last two weeks, I think, would have been listed normally is probably waiting. for the, Yeah, the majority of them are a backlog. Anybody who's got yeah. a realtor who says, well, hey, if you can wait, like we wait two weeks. Yeah. Anything within that two-week window. They say we wait until September. Yeah, because it's pretty quiet the last couple. I mean, people have other stuff on their mind. Yeah, they're either getting in their last bit of holidays, which I notice a ton of people are on vacation. And for those who aren't, they're thinking about getting back into their work brain if they don't have kids. And if they have kids, mm-hmm. I mean, we know what they're thinking about there. Kid stuff. The vacation known as back to school. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And you know, so I got a bit of an update from uh, just a, a real estate colleague yesterday. I was talking about what's going on in North Delta. And oh, okay. it was it was interesting to me to hear his perspective. He's a real North Delta kind of specialist. And we're talking about detached houses. And his observation, because I mentioned, I said, I've been noticing like a lot of accepted offers. A lot of this product seems to be have, have been getting sort of snatched up over the month of August. In North Delta specifically. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, the, the detached houses. And he's like, yeah, what I'm noticing one thing for sure is the builders aren't really buying which has taken away part of the market. And it's been really good for all of the people who are invested in the community, in the starter oh, homes. Okay. They're all saying, I want to stay in my community. I want to stay in my block, whatever it is. And they're offering on the house down the street or around the corner and then putting their starter house up for sale, subject to sale. And there's a lot of sort of internal mobility in the community. Yeah. is something that he's noticing. So there's an opportunity there for people who, you know, like their community to get that done. And what they're looking for now is that entry-level buyer to come in or buy their entry-level house, right? Maybe somebody coming right. out of a condo or a townhouse. So a lot of property ladder going on just within that little community. Hmm. Which is a big change because all last year, most people who were buying and selling, if they were moving up, were getting pushed out further, no matter what community yeah. they were in. Yeah. That's kind of exciting. Yeah. So, so I loved hearing that from them. Yeah. Yeah. It's opened up a little bit for them. That's good. Yeah, I feel like it's given people the the control, the autonomy right. that, that makes them feel rewarded for moving up the property ladder. You know, you set roots in a community and now you don't have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. It's fantastic. Yeah, so it is encouraging. What about you, Jeff? I'm having a, a, a tough day. Oh. Um, yeah, my dad called me this morning. Um, my godfather passed away. Oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, and it's he, um, uh, his name's Jerry Demers. And when I was a kid, um, my dad, him and Keith Setter were all realtors really just starting their careers and kind of very similar to the relationship the three of us have of, of really building and bouncing ideas off. Like the three of them, I had so much fun with when I was a kid watching them kind of build something, Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it, uh, and I mean, he'd been sick for a very long time, um, but it's, I don't know, I'm a little introspective today and a little, uh, uh, really appreciative of, uh, of what I've got. It actually made me really think about how good the relationships, not just the three of us, but a lot of our peer group at the office are, because I know a lot of real estate agencies, oh, I'm stupid, I'm getting <laughs> choked up, uh, but a lot of real estate agencies don't, it's every, it's every don't man have for himself. That. Yeah, and, and that was something I really saw as a kid with dad and his friends. And I'm just really thankful that I've got that at our office. I really appreciate it. So, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to hear. And I think on. it's something that we do appreciate and helps keep us all yeah. on track, right? Like we know yeah. this business can be tough and it can be a And bit it can of be a, lonely. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. can. You really feel like you're on your own sometimes. It'd be a bit of a mental grind. So having somebody to, to lean on and help build Especially you up. if you're working at home, like a lot of brokerages are set up these days where like they want to keep fees oh, low because yeah. it's so expensive. So you end up having a brokerage that you don't go into necessarily and you're at home. And totally. Ke- Keller Williams in the States just announced they're going to be opening up virtual brokerages. So they're going to have brokerages that there isn't even an office space. Wow. Um, which I, for some people may work amazing, but for me, I get so much from being, if you're really self-motivated and don't need to always be around people and you can kind of just do your thing at your place or whatever, or Starbucks yeah. or wherever you want to work. Um, that could save you some money, I guess is the idea. That must be the idea behind it is to save some money, right? Less overhead for, yeah, for the brokerage yeah. less monthly. Well, if people well, are just arguing that they don't need the physical facility. You can create one hub that's, you know, in Eastern Canada and you can support or Eastern United States and support agents across the country. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if I guess if saving money is the thing, um, which is kind of interesting because we're about to talk about saving money as our main topic. Why don't, uh, was that what keep, we're supposed to do or, or, or keeping more in your pocket? <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, let's get into the main topic. I just want everybody to know that we're not doing the news on purpose. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
Okay. For all of the listeners who are looking forward to Matt giving the news, no yeah. news today. We think we got a lot to tell you about negotiating. I, I think I can do the news in one sentence today. You, we don't. We don't need a bumper hold for on. it. Oh, we're not. All right. Do the news. Interest rates held. We thought interest rates were going up. Bank of Canada was supposed to announce raised up, and they held because of the uh, horrible, horrible NAFTA <laughs> <laughs> negotiations. Yeah, every time they get some optimism to think the economy is improving and they can bump up rates, like, oh, no. Yeah. Pipeline. <laughs> oh, no. NAFTA. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. So on to the next thing. Okay. Well, that is a good lead into a future guest we do want to have back is Stephanie Barrett. We've mentioned that before. Yes. So we're going to, we're going to look to, to line her up, but uh, let's talk about negotiating and then we'll uh, let our listeners know uh, what else we have in store for them for the next several episodes. Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. Wrong. Advocate. Wrong. Without money, you lost. Wrong. Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. So the market has slowed down. Which opens up a really interesting thing that we thought that we would talk today is people are actually getting to negotiate again. It's amazing. Are you, are you guys excited? Have you been negotiating deals? I'm trying to remember how. Yeah. <laughs> trying to get the other agents to remember how. Well, yeah. And I think we've talked about that. We have. In past episodes of sellers and buyers not being in the same place. But I think now more than it has been any time in the past three years, negotiating is a really important part of of getting a deal together big time we're settling into it and we're looking at what are our appropriate strategies what are appropriate expectations from buyers and sellers so many things going on so many different approaches um usually the same common goal of i want to sell my house and this person wants to purchase this house um but uh yeah we see everything right yeah so what what are you guys getting back to what are what are some of your core negotiating tactics well, the thing that I always have to start with is that um, both parties involved have to circle back to the main goal, which mm. is keeping the deal together. Yeah. Right? So as we're massaging this back and forth and buyers and sellers are learning the limits, they're measuring the risk as to how far they can go without killing the deal. Buyer doesn't want to lose a property they found and insult right. the seller and sort of frustrate all of that. And the seller doesn't want to push away the buyer because it might be the first offer they've seen in months. Right. Right. So you're trying to maximize your, your outcome without killing it. And that's to me where it all, it all starts, right. Is I think both parties see opportunity to Mm -hmm. try to maximize the outcome and nobody quite knows where the limit is. So we're all pushing the limit. And calculating that risk is one of the the bigger things to know, like what kind of market are we in? Um, is this like the best one you've seen you've been looking for six months to a year and we know that this is a rare property or no that's kind of a dime a dozen or so and you know walking away from this how risk averse are you right and you know we need to have that conversation with the clients too of like okay we can we can slow play this we can hardball whatever you want to do obviously this is your decision we'll give advice on how how this has worked out in the past worst case scenario best case scenario Um, but knowing if it if it is the the one that fits eight of the boxes out of 10 versus all the other ones that have been sixes or sevens. It might yeah. not be the one that you want to play it that way. Yeah. Identifying motivation. Cause if, 
Um, like I, I always tell clients, um, you know, if you fall in love with something, you're kind of handcuffing me in the negotiation. Like if, if you're actually willing to walk away, we can negotiate a lot harder. You are much stronger than negotiation. Yeah. <laughs> than yeah. if you're like, no, no, this is the one. Um, well, then we want to still figure out like kind of what Matt's saying. What's the lowest price we can start at that doesn't sabotage the, the deal? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's that fine line, right? And price is the most obvious example, but it's not the only thing in the negotiations right now, right? So yeah. maybe we can work through some of these in a cohesive way for our listeners so we don't get... Because I know we can probably talk sort of circles around this, right? Yeah. Um, but you don't want to scare them off. But it, it might not actually be price. It might be dates. You might stick your heels in and say, well, as a buyer, the only time that I can come in that fits my whole plan here is, you know, today is the beginning of September and you say end of October. And then the seller says that is an absolute no-go for me. So somebody has to give because of maybe holiday plans or something that's significantly impactful financially. And you have to find a way to match those up where in the strong market, everybody's just kind of like, well, you know, I know I'm going to sell my place. I know I'm getting lots of money. Well, in a strong market, the seller's dictating all the terms other than price. Like they're sending you Yes, usually right. a page of these are the dates. These are the things yeah. that we want. And when you get more than four offers, everybody says, yeah. well, if I want to be yeah. in the conversation, I have to accommodate the seller's dates. Yeah. And and now that stuff's going differently. So, and I guess what I'm getting to that with that fine line, and you're saying like not starting too low in the price and upsetting them is you don't want to create an adversary. Yes. You know, under this theme, if we're talking to our listeners about negotiating, if you're buyer or seller, you don't want to create that adversarial relationship where now everything is tit for tat. You did that to me. Now I'm pushing back harder. L- lawyer television has created a very different picture of what real negotiating looks like. Actually, that's not fair. Um, negotiating real estate, I think. Because I think in, in – I, I had a client who was a lawyer or who is a lawyer and he couldn't understand – like he wanted to just hammer on people and it wasn't working. And one thing we had to have a conversation about was – in his job, he's dealing with corporations, and it's just numbers. Yeah. Emotion. This is the home where they raised their kid. This is the place where their, their child took their first steps, where they did all of these mm. things, where they saved up all their money. There's a lot more than just the numbers going on here. Well, the lawyer playbook to negotiating is entirely different from yeah, real estate. It, yeah. And it. they all do it the same way, right? They ask for 100 things expecting to come out with 25 of them. Always always yeah. to an extreme. Do- <laughs> Although I, I do think that is worthwhile in real estate. I think it's good to have some things that you can give up. Well, ask for a little more. But lawyers but go yes, like, yeah, yeah, the worst case scenario is you'll have 10 years in jail. And this <laughs> yeah, and that, yeah, when yeah. they know full well that the end result is like a one-year plea bargain. If yeah. we're talking criminal and if we're just talking a settlement, it's like, well, I mean, I can justify five minutes million dollars in damages here but really they know that a hundred thousand is what they're coming out with they they ask for the moon but that's the playbook right because it's business and sometimes you'll get you know an investor on one side or the other side whatever it may be but very very rarely in my experience and maybe you guys can speak to yours do you get two people on the side each side of the table who can agree that it's just business it's always it it, yeah it's always almost always personal and whether regardless of whether they raised a family there you have pride of ownership i've lived here my place is is always better than the other ones um and you can yeah it's so easy to to offend somebody and yeah starting off on that 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 wrong foot can sour everything moving forward and even if it is both sides of the party, it's just business. Like it's a tenanted property where the person is a landlord and they are selling it to somebody who's going to take over the tenancy. Most of the time, those people aren't business 
people. They're not people who right. are doing deals like a lawyer every day. Yeah, they still can't get emotionally disconnected from it. Yeah. There's some ego involved or something where they see an offer and they go, well, this is just an insult to me. Yes. You know, why do they think they can steal it from me at this price? You know, now it's time to fight back. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had clients who are sophisticated business people and they want to approach it like a business transaction, purchasing a family home. Yeah. And I, and it's really hard sometimes to articulate to those people. You know, the person on the other side doesn't see this as just business. Yeah. Your offer 20% below asking price is killing us, yeah. <laughs> especially when it's not justified whether yeah, that's fine that and maybe they are maybe their price is 20% off, but but there has to be something tangible to say that no, this is where I'm going is is right. But but that approach usually that comes from like asking for the moon. We'll kind of meet in the middle. I'll make the middle more on my side by going lower. It's all relative, right? Yeah. So can we talk about sort of price and pricing strategies? Can we move on? Get yeah, into that? Yeah, kind of, for sure. Kind of focus on that for a few minutes now for the listeners? Yeah. Because yeah. we talked about an extreme example might be 20% below asking price. Is that extreme? Yes. yes. Okay. So what is within the realm of not too extreme, but really riding that line? In, in a balanced market to buyer's market, what, what do we see? It's been so long now, 5%? I think, um, well, the, the, the first question is, is the home properly priced, right? Because it, if the price is totally off, then who cares what the percentage is? You have to write a fair offer. But if, if the home is priced where it should be. Let's, let's take what is a common example right now in the marketplace yeah. is a listing that's been on 30 to 60 days. Yeah. And the asking price isn't out to lunch. Yeah. But it's clearly not that tempting because it's been 30 to 60 days. Yeah, I mean, I think anything over 5%, you're really getting into dicey territory. And you probably are at 5% too. Like like a couple percent on hundreds of thousands of dollars, it's a lot of money. See, I would disagree right now in this market. Yeah? I would say, so if we take two examples, a condo that's $600,000 yeah. or a house that's on the low end, like a million dollars, yeah, um, and it's been on the market for 30 to 60 days. Yeah. I'm okay writing an offer that's 10% below asking. So on a $600,000 condo, I don't mind shaving off 60,000 and writing 540. Yeah, to me that's a bit on the low side. And on a million dollars, is the $600,000 property oh, would you like me to is it Siri Siri uh, likes your <laughs> <laughs> yeah, And that's why we're on airplane mode. I am on airplane mode. I don't know what uh, There's a power button yeah. on the side there. <laughs> I feel like that's like strike, Listen, strike five for Jeff. Hey, stop, on the phone. stop trying to silence Siri. Okay. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe on the Siri. 10%, I'm more of like a 60 to 90 day or beyond. Okay. Um, but but I'm, is the $600,000 property 50 grand overpriced? Because that kind of that, I think that kind of plays well, a little bit into well, it. Well, okay. Too. If it was worth 600, it would have sold, is what I'm saying. It's been 60 days. Yeah. And, and I mean, we're seeing a lot of, I'm not seeing a ton of $600,000 properties that are selling 60 grand under. But starting at that number might not be the worst idea. That's what I'm getting. At. I'm seeing a lot of twenty-five to forty grand negotiated off at that price point as the final number. Yep. So yeah. if we're asking six hundred, we start at five forty, maybe yeah. you finish at five seventy or five seventy-five. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Now, I typically, historically, I would never have started that low. No, but I feel like there's some opportunity right now that if you start there, you might actually get that one for five fifty or five fifty-five. Yeah, you might. Yeah. And you see, so you kind of have to try. Um, and I don't think you're insulting anyone or risking losing the deal. I, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I think one thing 
is to it's all in how you frame it. I, yeah. I, I think the number one thing that I'm enjoying <laughs> about negotiating again is I, I always tell clients that um, people negotiate much harder with pieces of paper than they do real people. And I always want to tell a story with with my offer. I want to turn that offer not just to about the number, but I want to talk to them like what you said. So they're asking six hundred, and maybe we write five forty. If I just send an offer that just says five forty, you're getting five ninety five back. That's offensive. <laughs> if on the other hand, I call the agent up, I try to get in person because negotiations are so much better if you can actually sit down with people. But probably I won't. But at least I talk to them on the phone, and we talk about. Okay, well, my people love the home, but they are worried about the market, just like I'm sure your people are worried about the market. They don't want to pay too much. Here are some homes they saw that they seem are really similar. This is why they're thinking this number. Like if if you can if you can turn it into how I, I like to tell the story of how we got to our number. And I find a lot of times in negotiating, agents just send in a, a contract and there's nothing. Yeah, and when it's just arbitrary, it's easy to to yeah. punch back. Yeah. And on, on that number too, I, I don't know if you guys believe in this. I might be crazy. I also like to pick weird numbers. I don't like to come in 40 exactly. Like a round under. number? Yeah, because if you're coming in with nice round numbers, it feels like the game. Whereas if you're coming in with kind of a strange number, and I don't mean like to the sense, it feels like maybe you've crunched it out a bit more. And uh, I wouldn't look at it that way at all. Oh, I, I find, and this is maybe more on the counter offer. If you counter on a five or a zero, you're going to get a counter back way more often than if you counter a little bit like a seven or like I. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's maybe a bit yeah. different, but yeah, initially. Yeah, what I'm saying matters as much. I, I I don't think it matters as much on initial offer, yeah. but once you're kind of getting into it, and I also like to take time. Like even if the even if the my client immediately knows what they want to do. I don't want to communicate that right yeah. away because then again we're just playing the game. What like, do you I don't do want, for? It, well, I don't want to get into it's your turn now. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Say all situation kind of a balanced market. Um, you're writing an offer with people and it's four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, um, and you wrote a fairly normal offer. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's your open time on something like that? How long are you leaving? I guess for people. Leaving this this offer expires at you know midnight on same day or tomorrow or do you just adjust the time on the counters? Again, I think story really matters. Unless I have a really legitimate reason to say, um, we're we have a time limit for a reason. Um, I always leave at least a day. I, I want to give people because they can always cross it out. Like the the time limit on counters, unless we actually have a time limit, like we're present the. Uh, the Another property's taking offers yeah, tomorrow at that, three. That, that's a perfect we need, example. We like this one better, though. We like yours you better, yeah. but if you don't buy it, we have to write on another one tomorrow. Yeah. Then I'll put a time limit on, but otherwise I always give 24-hour notice. Yeah. Um, or 24 hours is yeah, usually And, what and as do. we learned in story time last episode, you can revoke your counter offer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as Jeff attempted to do. As I attempted to do. So close. <laughs> Ooh, if you want to know how that one ends, go back to episode 18. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you get that sort of strong arm technique from say some agents too, where they're like, you, you know, there's maybe no other property like this one, or, you know, there's be, you know, we know new West very well, yeah. you know, there's no one taking offers tomorrow on this type of property. Well, and, so that, that excuse you're like, it, it, and it never works, right? Like when you're like, Oh, put, we've only got two hours to accept this offer, take it or leave it. Yeah. 
the immediate reaction of the seller is always, eh, yeah. you, like they're always must, mad about Well, it. how serious are you? You're, you're, you're yeah. giving this thing a timeline. Yeah, don't don't push out. people into a corner, right? It goes back to what we talked about earlier, like creating an adversary. Yeah. Right? It's, it's typically not very effective. Sometimes when I get an offer that is that quick and I'm able to present it in time, I don't even bring up to the seller that they only left us a couple hours to get back because I'm like, look, this is actually a good offer. It's going to get okay. <laughs> but if I bring this up, they're going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah, so you're withholding information just to maintain that positive mindset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and we're, we are there to not necessarily not withhold things, but you, you do sort of frame things. The oh, fact no. that there's a third party is so that these emotions aren't getting out of hand because two buyer and sellers just going at it, a lot less deals would get done if that were the case. Definitely. Oh, yeah, emotions can wreck a deal really fast. Yeah, so if we're speaking to that, like you said, like psychologically, you know, a time frame or you're talking about price and sort of making up not exactly round numbers. Yeah. What are your thoughts um, on certain dollar figures, sort of clip levels I talk about? So if we're taking a $1 million asking price and yeah. you think that fair market value, you kind of want to land around 925. Yeah. This is where you think you want to land. Do you write like 899 or less? Do you let it start with an eight? You know what I mean? Where we start getting into that psychological, like, well, this seller is asking $1 million. Do we want to pull it into the eights, even if it's eight ninety five, Or do we start with 900 or 901 to keep it in that 900 zone for psychological satisfaction? I like to do reverse Walmart pricing. I, I, I think... 911. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I... I so an eight ninety nine offer is... So... Okay, let me start again. Unless you need that lucky eight. <laughs> when... Um, when we price a home at a million dollars, chances are you actually priced it at nine ninety nine, and you did that to look smaller. The seller psychologically wants to look smaller to the buyer. Mm-hmm. The reverse of that is the buyer wants their offer to look better. Right. So a lot of times you get counters where buyers want to counter at eight ninety nine 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 nine, and my advice is always no, no. Like you're you're thinking about this wrong. Nine hundred. Like you, you want to look bigger. Yeah. Buyer's perspective is to create a sense of inflation where our yes. experience as consumers typically is a, a behavior to try to create a yeah. smaller. Well, and the buyer has, it's, it makes sense why the buyer goes there. You're totally right. Yeah. Cause they look at these sticker prices and they're like, well, this is how homes are. This is how are, these things work. Are priced, but <laughs> it's worked to psychologically affect you and you want to affect the seller in the reverse. You want your offer to look better than it yeah, is. So even though you're trying to achieve 925, which is not far off from 900, yeah. you still start at a 901 or for Jeremy's lucky number, $900,800, yeah. something yeah. to that effect. Yeah, you you want to, psychology really matters. Yeah. And, and those benchmarks, for sure. What the very first number that people see yeah, totally. Matters. So the flip side then with this scenario, yeah, you think that it's worth more like 900 to 910 yeah. is kind of where you think you should land for fair market value. Then what do you offer? I think if it's worth 900, you got to you gotta uh, start in the eights. You just have to. You, ha- you have to. Because one thing, and I think we will all agree on this, you cannot with your first offer, unless you're in a multiple offers and they're just going to pick one, start with the number you actually want to pay. You're ne- the seller is always going to want more than your initial offer. Everybody has to move. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing is, here's my offer and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. I feel like when you started in real estate, like way back in the day, 
I remember you being a big proponent of not moving as much. Has that changed over the years? Um, I, I don't feel like my opinions have changed a whole lot. It's yeah. just that because the dollar figures are bigger, mm. I, I'm more comfortable with larger dollar amounts, right. right? But percentages are still small. But yeah, you know, I I guess philosophically, if we're going back to this, and maybe I'm not answering your question right, but I mean, I know for my asking price, when the market wasn't nearly as strong, yeah. it was always really important to me to just be really spot on with the asking price. So I didn't have to give up much because I always had really firm ground to stand on right. when people were negotiating. I think, and maybe my memory is wrong. I think I, I feel like I remember us having conversations when you first started, when you were representing buyers, where you would come in very close to what they were what they wanted to pay. to pay. Yeah. And I, I guess I was just wondering if oh. those tactics have changed. Oh, yeah. You know, and that would, that does depend on how I think the seller is going to behave. But yeah. yeah, at that time, that was definitely psychological to keep the seller involved. And yeah, start, start close to where we wanted to finish. Yeah. Small move. And then just say, hey, this is it. And we're sincere. Yeah. Uh, because I didn't like upsetting the apple cart. I don't like right. creating an enemy. No. And people were then, a number of years ago, far more emotional in my opinion Mm -hmm. about offers that started a little low like they would get way more adversarial and way more difficult Mm -hmm. and that's when houses were like 700 yeah or a condo was 350 right so yeah you you know your your margins were a lot smaller there right and the agents seemed to take things more personally everybody was a little more yeah easier to rile up so now that i feel that they can handle a little bit better i'll i'll take a little more risk well and that's a really good point too is that um Somebody could listen to this a year from now and it might be like part of part of being good at negotiating in real estate is you have to have your pulse of the market like you you, it matters what's happening right now. Definitely. Yeah. That is a big reason why people need to hire us, right? <laughs> like, sorry, that, not to sound really terrible, like self-serving, pitch, yeah. but, but that is part of it is that we were very aware of the change now versus last year. And because you sold a house two years ago and you got really good advice from your realtor and really understood the process then, yeah. that has evolved. Yeah. And we saw the comparable rather than just looking in on a piece of paper. We were in that property. Um, they can they can tell you what was different about it. Um, that even when you when we're negotiating, say on a house, that the listing agents from Vancouver or North Van, this is their one deal in New West, and they're they've got these comparables. And you're like, you never saw those houses, or right, huge issues with that, or you realize that's a busy street or a major thoroughfare. Um, things to really set those apart that we need in our toolbox in our arsenal when we're going up with a lower offer on those on those houses. I have comps as a a talking point since we're talking about that comps being comparables. Yeah. And my key piece of advice for buyers or sellers is that it really distracts from the conversation is is really what I think. Yeah. I think as soon as you start my, my experience with any agent is when you start saying, well, I was looking at this particular property as a comparison and this is where I think it, it's different and it, it, that's how it justifies our price. They want to sh- fire back mm. and tell you why you're wrong about that particular property. And you now invest 30% of your conversation debating this property when really that isn't it. It's that your, your buyer or your seller has a specific opinion on where they think they want the number to be. And it actually isn't so much about that one comp, but they've just kind of decided this is where I want want to land no I, yeah this this isn't something that i'm and we don't do this anymore and i'm sure we'll get back to it like us the good agents will be doing this but you're not sitting at the dinner table presenting your buyer's offer to an agent and their and the family giving comparables 
we've, I mean, we've seen that before where, where you're sitting there doing like a, a property evaluation on it. There's, you're selling your offer and telling the story at that point. Um, but yeah. talking to the other agent on the phone afterwards, you might get into that a little bit, but you don't want to get into a, a peeing match. With, yeah. With them. I, I think as soon as it degrades into two agents firing com- their comparables yeah. that they're using, they're hijacking on you're status. like, Oh, okay. This is all going wrong. I do think there is value, like I said, in telling the story. I, in, I, and in, I use comps. Yeah. I want to be clear on that. Yeah. Just don't let it take over the conversation. Yeah. Like I've had negotiations where all of a sudden agents are just emailing me comps. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, okay. Where as opposed to, um, you know, we like this one, but the one one floor down dropped their price $50,000 and we have to take that into account with our offer. You know, usually when you're getting that though, they're coming from like that. Your comp that you're giving me is a leaky condo. It always sells twenty percent less. Like don't don't yes. show me that. Yeah, please. right. Get out of here. I, I, I had an agent. <laughs> Those ones that kill me. I had an agent one time uh, send me a bunch of comps on her counter offer, and all the comps were twenty years younger than the unit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but. Your home was built in the 50s, and these yeah. are all 70s condos. They're yeah. not comparable. I think what another, another thing, too, we haven't really gotten to is like knowing your opponent, too, who you're up against. Culturally, people negotiate differently, um, and some will. They know. They're not, they're not dumb. They know that what they're showing you isn't, but they're hoping you don't know, or they're hoping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, yeah, knowing your audience, like, right? No, that's not real leather, it's, but it's leather. Like, no, it's not, but they're just hoping it'll get past some people, right? Yeah, and it's important to be – totally. It's important to read like – there are some agents where you're like, okay, if we just counter a fair number at this point, they'll take it versus, oh, these guys want to play the game. Like we need to keep batting the ball back and over the net a few times mm-hmm. before we get to our number. Like, yeah, Which Matt's going to yeah. write uh, not right close to where they want to end up on something like that. Yeah. We're – now we, we need to dial that back a bit because – and it's going to take several days. Well, and without naming and. any names <laughs> – it's really important to know there are agents out there who work really well for their clients and there are agents out there who just want to close a deal. And right. I, and I negotiate very differently when I know that <laughs> the agent on the other side of the table just wants to close a deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can give them a pretty terrible looking number and tell them that's the end of the road. And they're like, let me close this for you, Jeff. Well, and a lot of those, <laughs> those people will tell you stuff, information you wouldn't have got otherwise. Like, well, I'm not going to do this, but I bet you we can get them to there. And you're like, you should not be telling me this. But that number you just told me is way better than we were expecting. Let me call my client. <laughs> I don't know, man. Let me see if I can talk him into yeah. it. <laughs> Never make anything seem too easy. Never make anything seem too hard. Yeah. Right? I think it's sort of a good thing there. Knowing your audience so you know the agent, uh, you know your client and how to communicate with them, right? Some clients want you to take a firmer approach versus others. And as a listener, if you're a consumer, right, communicate that to your agent and, mm. and hear their advice though too, right? Yeah, they're on the same team as you. We've seen yeah. that before. Some people were there almost negotiating with you and you're like, it's not helpful because I'm going to be handling this certain ways. Like there's different tax. There's little subtleties that are going on here. Um, yeah. If, if you've done your job right and hired an agent who has your best interests at heart, you guys should be a team. 
Yeah. 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 It's scary when your client is withholding information from you because they worry that you are the agent who's going to just offer that up to the other side. Um, I can understand their skepticism because Jeff just said it could happen. Yeah. Um, So we need to create some trust there where you are 100% invested in each other. You can say, you know, yeah, my best case scenario might be this. Sometimes I'll say to my client, I say, don't tell me what the maximum is you want to pay. Let's just work at this. Yeah. Let me see the best I can do for you. Right. Because especially if just by circumstance, we happen to land at the number that they said was the most they were willing to pay and it was really easy to get there. They might think that I just served it up on a platter to the other side. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I I I say that often to people, too. I tell people all the time, like, I I don't want to know your bottom line. I'm going to do the best I can for you. And then you can decide whether you want to take it or not, Um, because I find, too. And this works with other agents. Oh, it you works told me with this everybody. before. Good point. As soon as you get some, as soon as they say it, it's now a, there's a, a bit of pride involved, yep. and they they've they've done it, and and maybe there are things that are more important to them. Like all of a sudden, they were given their dates, and they or um, they were given all sorts of different things that actually matter a little bit more than what they declared was their bottom line. But but now. Now I've said it. I said it, you know, and now I can't go there, which is also very funny too when we're talking big numbers. Yes. Right? If we're talking a million fifty thousand and you just decided arbitrarily, you said my maximum is a million fifty thousand. I'm searching up to one point two to look at what's out there. Yeah. I'm writing offers at about a million dollars, but my maximum is one million fifty. Is it really one million fifty? Because if you went to one million fifty three, does that change your life? Well, and just like those weird (laughs) numbers I talked about, your number will always be a round number that you picked it'll it'll be a million fifty it won't be a million fifty three it won't be a million fifty one and all you'll see is that three or five thousand yeah and for you first yeah well maybe a million but that's it's a big chunk of change right yeah it's month income it's whatever whatever your situation is um you can always think that i've got other places to pay to spend that that three thousand dollars that five thousand dollars that i gave um which comes back to the the winning and and feeling like everybody kind of got something yeah. Good point. You want everybody to come out feeling like a winner. Yeah, well, and that's that's a good point, too. And I think we may have touched on this before. If you really play a zero-sum game and the, the as a seller or a buyer, but let's use a seller as an example, and the buyer is feeling really sore, they are way more likely to collapse the deal if anything goes wrong. Yeah. And they're way more likely to come back to you over stupid stuff at the inspection and vice versa, the seller's way more likely when you need to get into measurements to be like, nah, no, nope, not letting you in. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you're hard in the negotiation. You're going to get some payback somewhere along the, yeah. the way, right? And uh, definitely the buyer's looking for something to punch back with after you get the offer accepted because now they've got their conditions. Yes. Right? So they're like, well, okay, let me see. Let me see what I can hit you back with here. And when the inspection is now, uh, we talked about this in the inspection episode, is they're not just looking for how does this impact me living in this home? How does this impact my investment? It's what can I bring back right. to the seller? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's it, not what you want. <laughs> and that's where that, yeah, that power shifts a bit in the, in the buyer subject period. Yeah. If they feel, they feel it was a bit sour. They didn't quite, they felt like they gave too much or compromised. Yeah. So with today's market then, and people are putting in their conditions, it's common to have conditions and offers. Now, if people are negotiating, I think that's important to set the groundwork for expectations. Sellers shouldn't think that offers should be unconditional. 
No, I haven't dealt with an unconditional offer in months. That would be very, very rare, but I, I would say it's still in the... F- it's, possible, it's possible, but it shouldn't be an expectation. Definitely not. And then what I've been finding very frustrating is the expectation for the term, the time provided to remove conditions. I've been mm. finding that the seller's expectations is a very short time frame, like yeah. maybe five or six calendar days. Yeah. When historically it used to be very common for detached was about 10 days and a condo was 10 to 14, depending on kind of how you had things lined up and holiday weekends and where things were ordering strata documents, you know, being provided. Yeah. It used to be the way to get an offer and then order the documents. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, now everything is ready, but it still means you need time. Like you want sufficient time to do your finance approval because that's free. Yeah. Before you start investing in inspection, we're investing in an appraisal at the property. So you want some time to do that. But I'm finding, and maybe it's just me, that seller's expectations are, you know, get this done in five or six days because I feel like maybe someone else is working out there who's yeah. going to write an offer and I don't want to miss that yeah. chance. Your offer looks good, but I'm just seeing these subjects. You have a week for subjects. Like you have five <laughs> business days. Yeah, we're going to need to change that. Like, yeah. But why? It, the banks want, ideally they want five days. That's a, a really good point too, is I think there are a lot of people who negotiate and they're negotiating points of the contract that don't really matter just to negotiate. And whether that's the agent trying to look like they're doing more for their client or a seller who or a buyer who just wants to negotiate, like pick the things that really matter. Like you're coming back on price and you're coming back on dates and you're doing all these things. Do you really need to shorten the subjects up by a day? Like, is that really something you want to, is that the cross you want to die on? Well, and that's a conversation <laughs> I've had a few times. I'll get an yeah. offer where subject removal is on a Tuesday. Yeah. And then a seller says to me, that feels a little long, Matt. And I'd say, I agree. Like emotionally, that's going to be tough to sit through. But the thing is, is that going back to the Friday before that Tuesday, that is too fast. I'll explain why, you yeah. know, kind of sequencing things here. Friday is too fast. The next business day after that is Monday. Do we want to put them in a position of rush? Do we want to create pressure on them and all the rest of it? Because what's really going to change at this house here between Monday and Tuesday? Yeah. Monday and Tuesday are not exactly hot days in the marketplace where it really changes one day. So do you want to, again, is that the cross, the hill you want to Mm -hmm. die on, Yeah. right? Where you want to push this from Tuesday to Monday. We want to make this one of the talking points in the negotiation or can we just focus on getting a good price? Yeah. And they all, and and I'm, I'm being a bit, uh, my tone here is not very cooperative. That's not how the conversation right. goes with the client. But the net result is, hey, let's let's put our focus on the price here and, and this is what's going to help us out. I think it's really important as agents that we help our clients keep their eyes on the price. Like really focus on the right fights and the right things that are important and not get not get distracted. Because like Jeremy said, your agent should be the one who's not emotional. It's not your home. It's not, it's not your investment. You should be the voice of sanity who can say, okay, these are the really important things we need to focus on that aren't mm-hmm. good enough for you to accept. These are kind of things like, and, and, and give the other party a win over something that you don't really care about. Like that really helps in a yeah. negotiation <laughs> to be able to be like, oh, okay, you want us to replace, you know, the, the fan in the bathroom. Um, how much is that going to cost, Jared, to replace a fan in the bathroom? There's many different kinds of ways of doing it, but from a yeah. hundred, you're doing it yourself, hundred yeah. bucks. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you can get some of the things you really care about for a hundred dollars, that's probably worthwhile. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah. So we've talked about the core strategies around price when negotiating in this market. Yeah. Right? We've talked about conditions and how to look at that. Um, we talked a little bit about dates. So, you know, we maybe we want to get into that a little bit more. And, and the other items that people might discuss uh, could be the deposit, which you don't want to be a big conversation. But can we help the buyer and the seller understand uh, what the expectations are for deposit right now? Expect to put 5% down. Keeps people happy. Um, usually you can have a conversation around it. My people's money's tied up in their house, which is yeah. going to be closing soon enough. Um, Again, so this story is, totally matters. If, yeah. if there's a reason and have an the, explanation. Have the conversation. Yeah. Um, and, and just to be clear, in case anybody uh, either hasn't bought or sold real estate or isn't quite sure, uh, deposit is the essentially good faith money that gets put into trust after subject removal, and then it becomes part of the people's down payment. Um, and yeah, like Jer yeah. said, not always 5%, but not always, of, but that I would say that's industry standard. That's yeah, sort of right the, yeah, the standard expectation. If, if, one, of you, if one of you guys writes on one of my listings and you write like a 4% or three, you know, we're going to have a conversation around it yeah. and I'll have, I'll relay that information to my seller and then they'll decide whether they're comfortable with that or not. But yeah, the strange thing is when I got a counter offer this past weekend where arbitrarily without explanation, I got a counter offer where the deposit was around 8%. Like they, they raised your deposit? They raised our deposit. (laughs) That's someone that's been burned before. I I always, whenever it's stuff like that too. Past experience. As an agent, like I would never counter your deposit without calling you first. I mean like, hey Matt, just so you know, my guys are a little upset about the deposit. They got burnt, like Jer said. Yeah, good example, Jeremy. Can your guys do more? If not, can you tell me? why it's low yeah and like, save us like, all the back and forth with the signatures and the initials on these changes that we could have just we can talk talk about yeah form, i mean communication formalize. is huge that's a, a pet peef thing about um texts are nice and easy for a lot of things but negotiating a house as, as soon as things get hard stop texting <laughs> stop texting <laughs> yeah. like a good text in a negotiation do these dates work for your seller? Do you have a second to chat? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes. That's that's where you use a, t- a text. Yeah, not our counter is this much. Yeah, because it's going to be perceived the wrong way, interpreted the wrong way, ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah, let's talk about something and how it's going to impact the negotiation from a separate perception of buyer and seller, yep. which is the new rules. I think we talked about this in past episodes that a seller has to have disclosure in writing with every counter offer and i feel like sellers and the listing realtors get frustrated doing that paperwork the more steps there are in the negotiation can you leverage that as a buyer i don't think so <laughs> I, I mean that yeah i and i think i think on agents and this isn't really negotiating it's the only reason the seller gets annoyed with that is because the agent is annoyed like if, if if it's just one more paper they have to sign as part of the pile of paper they're already signing, it's no big deal. But as agents, it is annoying that we have this extra step that doesn't really make any sense. Um, and, and I'll tell you this, my personal experience on the the side representing the seller is yeah. when that counter offer comes in, sometimes you're on the road or you yeah. know, you're doing it and you, and you can do it from your phone or from a tablet or something reasonably easily to scratch out the price on the, on the offer, put in a new price, put a space in for electronic initials and send it off. 
this document with the commission is you then have to go and, and actually do the math. You have to take the percentages. Yeah, it, it slows it down. And, and, and get it. And then the pressure is on because you have to make sure your math is correct because yeah. you are individually now doing that math on the side of the road. Yeah. where you pulled over in a parking lot and now you're feeling that. And, and why should I be feeling the pressure about getting the commission right? Because really what I want my focus on to be on is the negotiation. And I'm I'm confident in my math. I'm, I don't want to make people seem like I'm scared of doing math. All the yeah. numbers. But it, it is it is to me a bit of a distraction. And, yeah. and and I wonder how many agents after they've done it five times in a negotiation, if you keep chipping away. Yeah. And if, the, the sellers <laughs> don't want to be clouded with with these paperwork like calculating and all i want to deal is with the, with the offer why are you giving me another piece of paper what is this your commission's changing what's yeah. going on i've had buyer's what? agents say to me like, hey matt i'll save you from having to do the next one just get this accepted I'm like, <laughs> oh i see what you're trying to do <laughs> <laughs> no i will do the paperwork yeah we take all the time we need <laughs> I, I think in a couple of months it's just gonna be standard operating procedure as far as that goes it it's it's annoying. It's an extra step. And it, it's the one thing they introduced that I don't think sellers actually appreciate. Like I've never the, – the, a lot of the other new forms, I've had people be like, oh, that really made it clear. That was good. Like the, right. um, All the new agency disclosures that are formatted in different ways yeah, depending the ones on that your situation. explain exactly what my duties are and how our relationship works. Most people when I go through with it are like, oh, that, thank you. That was great. Most times when I present the seller with this – with the commission disclosure, the comment is, I know how much I'm paying you. We talked about this when I hired you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's unfortunate, but let's not make that a distraction in the negotiation then either. Yeah. So if I'm going through visually here in the contract, we've got price, we've got deposit. Um, Oh, this is the thing that I didn't mention. So we did dates, we did conditions. One condition we didn't talk about, we talked about kind of the usual stuff uh, is, Iranian items like an oil tank inspection. Mm-hmm. How firm can you be on that? Or oh, these are the two that I, I'm curious about scratching out if a buyer presents an offer that says an oil tank inspection. You don't really have much opportunity as a seller to cross that out. And I've had sellers cross it out, and the negotiation <laughs> always goes horribly from there. Yeah. Because immediately the buyer's like, what? Why are you saying that you will yeah. not take any responsibility for a tank you assure me is not there? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Where all the ground is covered. Just tell me it's not there. Okay. And then the other one on the strata side is when we put in a provision that says in the event that a special levy, an additional charge to the owner is uh, proposed between now and when I become the owner, uh, the seller will take responsibility for that cost. Now I'm paraphrasing, but that's roughly what it says. It, that's interesting because you you chose our office's wording, yes, which is not the standard. The standard wording. is if it's been approved, right? And our office gets sneaky, and I like it. It says proposed instead of approved, which, if you're representing the buyer, protects them a bit more because even if um, it gets, I've only had th- maybe three agents ever cross that out. I think most don't even notice that the wording is. I've had it been happening more recently, and then so my counter claim to them is, and when I get it in an offer as a listing agent, I say, guys, we can't cross this out for the same reason why I counter back with the question as a buyer's agent is, if you cross it out, what is it that you know? Do do you, sorry, just to clarify, are they crossing out the whole clause or are they crossing out the word proposed and changing it to approve? The whole thing. Okay. I agree with you totally. What are you hiding? I've had, yes, totally. What what I was talking about is I've had agents, uh, just a few, cross out proposed and write in approved. 
And I feel like I've got no ground to stand on if they do that. I'm like, if they're like, we'd appreciate if you use the standard clause. <laughs> I don't, I don't mind fighting back on that because I'll say, well, if you're doing that, can you explain to me yeah. why? Are you aware of a proposed levy that could be coming up? No, I'm not. Yeah. Okay. So then why are we crossing this out? Because I feel like I do want this responsibility to fall on the seller in case it happens. Well, nothing's coming, Matt. I don't see anything on the, in the documents. Neither do I, but your client as a, occupant of that strata might hear things and know things that people talk about that there could be something that's coming up that is proposed so now i feel you know something i don't and this is something i need in so and i this is interesting actually um when i'm representing the seller i cross out proposed and i put in approved and if people fight me back on it my argument is usually we have lawyer approved clauses that we can use this is not one of them and i have never had an agent not and i mean really i'm not going to kill a deal over it um but it's an interesting point because depending on whose side you're, you're, you're on right, right all i see in you crossing that out is that you know something i don't because the only reason why it benefits you to cross it off is if you think something's coming if you're so confident that nothing's coming oh interesting leave it in there see i frame it the other way to the agent i i frame it as i don't even know if this will hold up yeah, I, I, don't, I get the argument I, that they, yeah, you know, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think the listeners get what we're talking <laughs> yeah, about here. Yeah. <laughs> Anything to add to that, Jared, before I move on to my next one? I wanted? It, it just feels familiar. That's all. <laughs> Sorry. What? <laughs> I think it just happened recently. I did. So. I had oh, it, did uh, you guys go through this? I went, I went through it in negotiation this summer, yeah. Who were you, seller or buyer? Buyer. Okay. And he crossed it off. Yeah. And it went through the, the whole thing. clause. Yeah. Yeah, see, if you cross that whole clause out, that's a huge And he just tried to say, like, oh, no, there's nothing. You know, but I said, well, again, same. If there's nothing, yeah. it's not a problem. Same with oil tank. Yeah. If there, I get you have the certificate, so why do you care? Yeah. There's a certificate. Yeah. Okay, last one. Included items. Oh, I feel like Matt has more to say about this than... I don't want to get into the real gross part of it, but just yeah. as a general statement to listeners, like when we're negotiating, yeah, you say, I love that dining set. I want you to include the dining set. Should you make that part of the negotiation? Or maybe should you just save it until you finalize the deal and have a conversation after the deal is done and say, hey, I love your dining set. You're interested in selling it? I prefer to keep it completely separate from the deal. 100%. I, I, I hate being a furniture salesman. Yeah. And it it just gets so messy with expectations and yeah, it's another yeah. thing. It's another thing just to complicate things. They think that's a thousand dollar dinette or or whatever. Like yeah, it really muddies the water when we got much much bigger fish to fry. Yeah, totally. You're, you're negotiating. Well, like we've been talking about, you're negotiating half a million dollars or more, and you want to argue over a two hundred dollar furniture set. Like eye on the price. Yeah. Now, exception to the rule might be you're there and the agent who has very clear instructions from the seller says, hey, these furniture items here, they really don't want to move them. So if you want to take them, write them in. Hey, easy peasy. And I'm all for (laughs) after the deal sending something in and saying, hey, I really love your furniture. If you're interested, I would be happy to buy some of it. But, you know, making it part of the negotiation just seems like... What's the word? Nitpicky? Yeah. It complicates things very unnecessarily. Yeah. I asked for a dog once. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's your story for story time. No, it's not. (laughs) So let's maybe table that one for another time. We'll tell that story another day. (laughs) Okay. Let's let's do a couple interesting negotiating stories and uh, put a pin in this one. It's story time with Jer. Great story. 
compelling, and rich. It's not always my story? No, it's not always your story. What if Matt has an awesome story to tell? Well, he can tell it to me or write it down and I will (laughs) paraphrase. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. We've been discussing all the ways that we should negotiate. And, Jared, I think this was your idea of instead of doing one story for story time, just kind of going around the table here and telling some of our our absolute nightmare negotiations. I don't know. Matt, do you want to go first? I will go first. This is one that I I tell often um, (laughs) when when the scenario presents itself. And I think, Jeff, this might relate a lot to you, and you may completely disagree with me. Ooh, Um, okay. But it depends on the scenario, and maybe given the circumstances, you would agree. But it's when you get – typically, it's more than one offer. It doesn't have to be, but usually more than one offer, but maybe there's only two or three. So you're not overwhelmed with opportunity. And um, maybe this story specifically, we got two offers. And this is a number of years ago. This was before the smoke and hot market, but we did get multiples. One offer was considerably higher than the other. So there was really only one worth considering. Yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly what the price was. It was probably near to the asking price, maybe a little under, a little over. But the seller thought... I think I can get a little more. Hmm. Okay. So the seller asked me, they said, do you think we could get a little more? Well, my advice is, is not to, you don't want to upset things. You don't know what happens when you go back asking for more. Uh, if you do, uh, you, you run a little bit of risk, but there's risk and reward. You get a little more money, um, whatever it may be. Uh, so we kind of weighed those options and it was a sort of a large family and a few different voices. And they said, we want to take our chances here and go for this. And the one offer was way better than yeah, the... Considerably better, yeah. Now, it, this is in a time when we're talking maybe $500,000, so it's maybe a $30,000 difference. Sure, that's but way better. That's, that's, yeah. that's right. Uh, so it's obvious, right? Like the other one wasn't coming up yeah. $30,000 to make it them even, let alone exceeding the other. So they make the decision, and the agent was outside with the client at the time of presentation. But because we had this big family and all of this debate, it took us quite a while. And the agent called us and said, Hey, just so you know, they're going through like family stuff right now where, you know, cousins in the hospital at Royal Columbian oh, uh, no. delivering a baby, right? Yeah. Like it's not bad news, but it's that, Hey, our mind is, is elsewhere. Yeah. So he's like, Hey, my guys have left, but I said, can you, can you come up a little bit? This is what we're looking for. We had the conversation he said, yes, we can um, talk to my guys. They're over at Royal Columbian. I'll go over there and get the initials job done. So now I'm waiting an hour and a half, two hours to get this sort of confirmation that it's happened. I'm calling him, calling him, not answering, finally answers. What's going on? Can't get a hold of my people. They won't answer. They won't communicate with me. Hmm. You know, they said I could come straight over and get the initials. Now they're not answering. I've called the other guy, told him we're focusing on the other one. This is where we're focusing our attention. Uh, he's furious. Yeah. For not really for good reason, because his price wasn't very good. Yeah. But, you know, I don't have an accepted offer. And he goes, well, what's going on and all the rest of it. So so the, the day goes by, the night comes to an end, and we have to wait till the next day. Yeah. You know, the offer technically, according to the acceptance date, has expired. And, you know, we're still willing to just get something signed up and done, even if it was the original price they offered at this point, right? Because everything's fallen apart. And call the agent, and he just says, they're they're not answering. They're They're not interested. This isn't happening. Hmm. call back the other agent he's got an ego yeah if i tell you his name later you'll know um it's funny how most 
horrible nightmare stories of negotiations. <laughs> Ego gets involved somewhere. And uh, check in on him. He says, no, no way, not interested. You said no yesterday, game over. Huh. It took me three months to sell that house after that. Yeah, I, 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 you, you thought I would disagree, which is, is interesting. Sorry, just the sending it back part. I know often you like to go back and ask for more. Oh, I, I will go back. Um, but the conversation I always have before going back is we can lose it when this happens. Are you okay with it? Like what we talked about. I can negotiate much better if you're willing to walk away. And that works for the seller as well as the buyer. Right. It, uh, yeah, if, if, if you've got one that's so clearly the winner and it's going to be awful for you to lose that, then no, don't go back. To yeah. So, yeah. so they went for, I don't even know how much more money they asked for, but it was, you know, enough that they, they gave us a verbal, yeah, we're going to sign off on that. Yeah. And, uh, walked away. And then worst case scenario is both parties walk, right? First yeah. party just ghosted. Yeah. Second party feels insulted, says not interested in talking to you. Huh. And then we had to market it for months and months and months. And in the end sold it for, I couldn't tell you the exact price, but, but probably less, probably, probably more than 30,000 less. Yeah. Those days, days on market can really change things. Yeah. Big, really, really affected you. So that's sort of a, a scenario there where, you know, you get, you, you three, push the limit. Three offers to three months yeah, on the market. You know, and, and people can get insulted and you'd say, well, you had an offer yesterday. Why aren't you interested today? Yeah. And ego gets in the way. He said, nope, you broke up with me once. I'm not coming back. Was it an average house? It was in bad shape. Okay. Yeah. So they... It was unappealing. Right. So they... I mean, I guess it was just maybe greed. I don't know if you can say that or they really needed the money, but... Uh, it was just business. Yeah. Right? And, and like yeah. I said, a few family members, you get a few more voices, right? And maybe you're splitting the pie. Yeah. Every every dollar seems to mean a little more. I don't know. But right. it's an example that I don't tell in nearly as much detail. But when people ask me, do you think I should go back and ask for more? I say, worst case scenario is yeah, we have lose nothing it. tomorrow. Yeah. Not even just we go back to one of these other offers. They might say, take a hike. We feel insulted. Yeah. 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 I can't... For whatever reason, maybe just because I haven't negotiated and we haven't done negotiations in so long, <laughs> it's hard to think of a particular instance. Um, but I definitely can remember times where um, people do walk away and you lose them. And yeah. whether you're going back for more money or um, for sure, no, we're going to slow play this. Are you sure that's what you want to do? Okay, that's fine. If I'm working with the buyer, um, okay, let's make them wait. We're going to make them wait because they're looking at this based on some, you know, a Craigslist ad maybe they bought something off of and it paid off for them. Um, but in this instance, that those rules didn't quite apply. And no, we already have an offer. Next, you know, when it does come time to, yeah, to, let's make them sweat it. It's gone now. So I hope that wasn't like the one for you. Hopefully maybe it was a split level or something that there's a dime a dozen in, in that neighborhood. But but keep keep that in mind. Um, I guess that would be like my, my takeaway without having a, some epic story. Well, and, and it's kind of like uh, Coach Keith talked about in our episode where we had him on. Episode 9, Any Given Sunday. There we go. Um, you know, when he talked about Scarf, one of the reasons people get upset is fairness. And in a negotiation, things can turn really bad really quickly if people feel like they aren't being treated fairly. And that's not the same as playing hardball. But I imagine that those people that you brought up wrote an offer, were told to write the best offer that they could possibly do, maybe even had a feeling that they were the best. Because if they were $30,000 over, they probably wrote a really good offer and probably felt like it was pretty unfair when 
they got countered. Yeah, possibly. I can tell you their offer was very close to asking. It's just that the other offer was well below. Yeah. But either way, yeah. they had some confidence. I think there were a lot of things went yeah. wrong, a bit of a perfect storm. Well, yeah, I mean, there's all, all sorts of stuff. One one thing I think is is really important that we haven't talked about in in the in any of our points too is in a negotiation i think it's really important to deliver on what you say you're going to deliver um my my story involved we were we were showing a place and i'm i know i raged about this to matt <laughs> at the time i don't know if i've told jeremy about it before but we were showing a home uh over on belmont street and uh my grandpa owned in belmont it is a building that has historically had some issues. Um, there, there are some some things that have been put off being dealt with in there. But my people were very interested. And the listing agent, while we were in there, they said, you know, we know about some of the history, but we don't have everything. Uh, we'd like to read the minutes before we we make a decision. And the agent said, no problem. I've got everything. Uh, get Jeff to email me if you want them, and I'll send them all over. Sorry, so let's just for our audience sake here. Yeah. Your clients were at an open house. No, sorry, I, you no, were I there. was showing. I'm so there, you were there and the listing so agent. You're is there, there, the clients are there, the listing agent is yeah. there, and the listing agent says to you or to your clients when they ask, Yeah. Documents are available, I'll send them to Jeff. Yes. Okay. So I, I email them after the showing. My guys really like it. They're a little worried about some of the stuff in the building. Would love to see the minutes. And I get nothing back. And the next day I'm like, hey, like, we're ready to go. I even know what most of the stuff, the hurdles are, but my clients would like to see it in, in writing and we'd like to talk about it. And then I'm going to write you an offer. And I get an email back discussed with my sellers. They have instructed me not to send you the minutes minutes only upon accepted offer. Hmm. Now, what do you think happens when I tell my, my buyers this? Oh yeah. (laughs) They're moving on. They lose their mind. And it probably would have been okay if he hadn't have told them he'd send them. Mm-hmm. But because that's normal protocol, like regular typical market. Oh, um, I what mean, is, what we, is the benefit to withholding them? I have no idea. And I think this is a... Uh, <laughs> they wanted them invested with an accepted offer. I think this is an agent who probably wasn't handling his clients very well. I think his clients... Because he kept telling me, look, this is what... What can I do? This is what they've instructed me. And I'm like, well, you need to explain to them yeah, that yeah. they're going to get an offer and you've got this. They're going to get the minutes anyway, but you need to tell them you told the buyer that they could have them. And now you're telling them and it seems sketchy like crazy. He who giveth taketh away. Yeah. yeah. And and then th- this went so wrong <laughs> on all sorts <laughs> of levels. Um, and then he hits me with and this is where my ego gets Ooh, in the way. No, don't hit Jeff. Yeah. He hits me with. Well. I don't know how long you've been in the business. Oh, oh, that one. But I'm used to giving minutes after accepted offers. What do you know, newbie Jeff? <laughs> and that's probably when I went into Matt's office in rage because <laughs> totally gets me. Um, I don't think there's anything that burns an agent under the age of 35 more than yeah. hearing. I don't know how long you've been doing this. Well, and pro tip. To agents who are older and using this as an attack method, um, your V number dictates how long you've been in the business. And uh, for those who don't know, every agent has a uh, what's called a V number. It's how we log into MLS. Like a student number. Yeah. yeah. And they're in chronological order. Yeah. <laughs> 
And it was Matt who pointed it out. He's like, well, let's look the jerk up. <laughs> and I mean, he'd only been in the business a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> but he had more gray hair. Oh, yeah. He was an older guy and, and just, I'm sure, felt like he could get a one-up on me. Uh, maybe assumed that I was... Uh, I mean, I started wow. when I was very young, so maybe he thought that I wasn't... And he also was out of area, so he's probably yeah. never seen me before. Anyway. Um, I'm, I'm fuming over that now. That, I, that is all, the, the, all the ooh. rage from then is, is building up. <laughs> we did get the deal together. And then a stupid little thing came up in inspection. And my clients couldn't wait to collapse the deal. Oh, <laughs> of course. Like we said from the power, start. Yeah. The power shift. Bring it all back, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. He's been scripting this since the whole episode started. He's like, I'm, clo- I'm closing this. So, there's a, yeah, there's a couple of things going on there. No, knowing your opponent. Oh, yeah. Um, don't don't say stupid things like that. Like, yeah, you, never, you, never let it get personal and, and really deliver, right? Like, if, you, if you're going to say something, you as soon as you take it away... Like, as soon as trust is lost, it's a really hard thing to recover from. Yeah, the whole process is extremely psychological, right? And you start messing with people on either side, and you have got such a mess to deal with. And we can sometimes clean it up and get mm-hmm. the deal done. Yeah, I'll have, I don't know if we're at final point time, but I, one thing we didn't quite mention is we do, I see it on business cards every once in a while, and there's a type of agent, <laughs> I but know exactly. this negotiating expert... <laughs> and I hope people have learned from listening to this. And we are all skilled negotiators, but it's not something we brag about. Um, usually those people's approach is a bullish approach and they don't know the nuances and all the little intricacies of the psychological aspects of it that actually we get the same result without pissing people off. Um, and uh, and usually it goes a lot smoother and, and a better result. Yeah. Would you agree? I would think. Yep. <laughs> I totally agree. Definitely. Always get a better outcome. You just frame it as a win-win. Okay. So I think that's probably going to do it for today. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that and got a lot out of it. If you have any questions or feedback, uh, you can email us at feedback at morealestateshow.com. And if you enjoyed this and uh, you feel like supporting the show, a five-star review on iTunes really helps us get out to more people. Um, I, should we plug what we're trying to do for, I think so. Okay. So no, tell them, tell the people. <laughs> so trying in the works for the next few episodes, we have, uh, elections coming up in the municipal elections, uh, the municipal elections. Yeah. Not the midterm elections in, in the <laughs> States, um, are coming up and, uh, we are trying to get, uh, some of the candidates to come on the show and specifically talk about their stances on housing. Yeah, new um, new West candidates, but also we're going to get some explanations because I don't know what a trustee does, which information that'll be helpful for people in all different writings. Yeah, it'll be new West focused, but I think it'll be good information for anybody listening in in the lower mainland because we're we're gonna try and get into um, well, like you said, what their actual roles What's are. A what trustee? I don't know. What can they do? What, what can, can a counselor actually impact about housing? Because yeah. people seem to keep wanting to go to their city yeah. and say, do something about housing. Who do I yell yeah. at? Yeah. So you have ideas, but what is actually within yeah. their authority to do? I'm curious to learn about that. So I'm hoping they come on. Now, We've invited some people. We're working on it. If, if you know. Was that what you're going to say? I, that's totally <laughs> what I was going to say. If by chance you know someone who is going to be running for council. Uh, please let them know we're trying to get them. We, we've put out some some 
opening attempts and we're we're working on it or if you are someone who is running for council uh, we would love to talk to you so hopefully that's what we're going to be dealing with next episode um, I think that's going to do it for today. If you want to get a hold of Matt or Jeremy, you can find them at thenewwestguys.com. And uh, you can find me, Jeff McLennan, at realestatenewwest.com. You get that right? I got it right. To, I've only screwed it up once. Okay. Um, syntax, important. Syntax is, yeah, the order of operations matters. Especially for websites. <laughs> yeah. Particularly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know why I got it wrong? We used to have both. We used to be Real Estate New West and New West Real Estate. Oh. I don't know how we lost the one that we lost. Carol. <laughs> oh, no. Jeremy. Matt was smart enough to get the yeah. and New West guys because yeah. um, apparently some, some we were looking at analytics the other day and, and we were getting a bunch of redirects from NewWestGuys.com. So oh, really? Minus the, 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 the. Nice. So important. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Bye. So, away on holiday, which was really nice. On a boat. Been a long time. Um, Were you on a boat, the, or did I just? Yeah, we we got a boat. Um, Jane's parents bought a place on Bowen that we've been looking at. We've been really slow playing that one because we, <laughs> I think we wrote an offer like maybe two years ago on it. Um, the same one. Yeah, it, it's a it's a tough property because it's it's off grid boat access. Nice nice place, but it, not without its challenges. Um, I think it's been they've been through a few different realtors. Um, years on the market um that would have been a funny negotiating thing i could have talked about because <laughs> we had a we had a no this is the price take it or leave it or we're going to take it off the market and raise the price it's Wait, like the seller told you <laughs> yeah so that was a first for me i couldn't believe it when i heard it. i was like really because it's not working at What's going on right now is not working. You're doing this wrong. That, maybe it's because our price isn't high enough. We just haven't yeah. asked enough. Yeah. <laughs> that, oh, that I saw the great. secret, and I realized that I need to ask the universe for more. <laughs> so, uh, they, so they pulled so it together. Anyway, so they finally, we got this family place that we're all going to get a chance to enjoy, um, which is awesome. When um, are Matt and I coming over? Anytime. Um, After Jeremy learns how to get me there safely. So, yeah. So, the, so they bought it. We bought, <laughs> the kids bought the boat. Which is a lot cheaper than okay. not not cheap. Like you, um, you and Jane and and Jane's brother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but he doesn't live here, so it's kind of so good deal. Uh, use for and you. enjoyment is <laughs> yeah. in our favor. Um, but uh, who know boats really hard to drive. Not the boating that most people know of having a drink, sitting back, someone driving the boat. Um, hey, you want to come drive the boat? Sure. I'll walk up, sit at the helm, stand, whatever. Yeah driving a straight line well, this is fun boating is easy yeah much much different when you're the, the skipper person that's okay. actually driving it and um and parking is is challenging it doesn't there's no it doesn't break so Feel like just, that's not the right word parking parking uh mooring no park we have a little spot like a parking space 
Luckily, the boat beside us is this butterscotchy, hopefully they don't listen, um, <laughs> thing. And we bought some bumpers, and they're called fenders, actually. I still call them bumpers. Uh, they hang over the side. I still call so them bumpers, too. Of, I didn't know that wasn't Yeah, there, apparently right? they're called fenders. Oh, did you color match them to the boats around you? So if you give them a nice no. good... <laughs> <laughs> they don't... They don't rub. They don't rub off. But but butter butternut uh, beside butter no, butter school butter buttercup or whatever beside us. Um, it's just pretty tight. This little parking space and a river. But anyways, boating hard, boating expensive. Um, Did you name dame- your boat? No, it's what? too. It's too little. Every boat needs a name. It's just it feels too little to be a, to have a name. It's got a number like BCS thirteen forty seven. How about D nice? <laughs> Didn't with it with a apostrophe. However, you want to spell it. There's all sorts of puns that we kind of went through. Um, yeah. Um, Tissel do. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's 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 an inside joke. That's the name of my dad's boat. <laughs> uh, uh, what did we have? A boat time. Um, I've seen a lot of boats too with puns on them. That, but they didn't even. They could have spelt it. They totally could have gone with the pun, but they didn't. Like I actually did see about. It's about time, but. But they, they should have been a boat time. A boat time. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it is actually just about time. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then the other thing, uh, and I guess most of you guys knew this, but oh uh, yeah, cabins that are on the water but have stairs. A lot of stairs makes everything a little more challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm gonna have huge uh, whatever muscles make you move upstairs. They're gonna be quite defined. Is that calves? Calves. Gluteus maximus? Matt, you should know. Depends on how you extend. (laughs) I'm not lunging up the stairs, and I'm not taking more than one at a time. Hmm. Often I'm taking a couple and then stopping. Um, Catch your breath. But but catch your breath. You you start getting like jello-y kind of legs. Yeah, it depends on how you plant your feet. You you plant your feet's different. Get your heels on there instead of your toes. So I should should actually isolate different muscle groups as I'm going up the stairs carrying 20 liters of water um, just to kind of work the different ones. I wouldn't get as tired. It might work. If you drink the water while you're walking up, it gets easier. <laughs> you just hold it over your head empty. Yeah. <laughs> um, lots of exciting times So those ahead. are fun. Yeah, lots of fun facts. Uh, learning, we're learning about composting toilets. Um, that sounds awful. Learning about mice, uh, where, where they like to go and what they eat. Uh, what do they know? Do they know things? Um, the ocean's cold, a little bit colder. Matt knew that. <laughs> um, nice thing about having a dock though is when you jump in there's no well like matt's cabin you got to walk into this lake and it's warm but you still kind of your your body's like this is cold why are we going more deeper this is still cold but we're in jumping off a dock in the ocean it's just instantly cold and then then it just neutralizes there's no turning back no um what else orcas saw some orcas saw j50 um what's j50 is a baby orca they named that's its name i guess that's its science name it, that's yeah. the science name for baby orca no i just found no, out that, this morning oh, that orca. specific orca yeah, has a name yeah they name all the orcas yeah but they and don't how actually did you find fun, out fun pun names they're they're just um j fitty <laughs> that's its street name uh we where do we uh it was they're talking about it because it was sick Oh, okay. Um, then they had to give it. They found out that it was hanging out right around where we were, and then they shot antibiotics into it. Really? Yeah. They found it. They know. I think they know all of them. Like they, they can tell because of their yeah. Thing. Finn, I'm pretty sure they learned how to translate the uh, the whale calls. <laughs> oh. Ever since Free yeah, Willy, yeah. they kind of had that dialed in. So the parents named it J50. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyways, that was a compelling story. Do you guys have any other questions about 
Anything else you want to know about that? I boats? just want to know when we're going on the boat. Uh, anytime. We can go this afternoon if you like. 